This episode of Auto Dealer Live is brought to you by True Car. Turn on that radio and back here. The cops ain't likely to catch up with us, not tonight. So we can all be quiet and peaceable and listen to the music. Hey man, good afternoon. I'm Dave Villa. I'm Tommy Ewa on the ones and twos. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> hey, how come I'm so much higher than you or something, man? Are you sitting? Up? I'm literally. Si- I don't know. I'm six foot two. Thanks, Ed. And almost as wide. And for some reason, Dave Villa looks taller than me. I got it. And our chairs are exactly the same height, brother. So you're you must oh, be squishing. I know why. You're it's squishing. not. It's not a slide at Tommy, but Tommy has slightly more weight that pushes down the chair. I do. I have. I'm um, just like. I got you by like six, seven pounds last I checked. Actually, probably closer to 60 or 70. So what's up, automotive community? Are you ready for the show today? I mean, if you haven't gotten this book yet, Race to the Finish Line, what is it? Gaining and retaining your competitive advantage. I recommend getting it. Yours truly is in it. And we have a great show today, Tommy. Man, are you excited about talking to a group of pros about the sacred... Dave, I'm always ready. Let me answer that quickly. I'm always ready, Dave. That's why you had me on the yeah, show. I'm instant off, in man. season and out. Sorry. My phone that was a little aggressive. You want to see aggressive? You don't want to see aggressive, Mr. Producer. <laughs> I get stupid with it. We know. How's my beard looking? Is it getting too crazy? It's a little long. You look like a giant leprechaun. Mm, that's, well, that's the look I'm going for, so keep it moving. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you guys um, are doing it, because I'm on Twitter right now. It's not the kind of show, my friend. I'm looking, but I, I want to see some hashtag auto deal, auto dealer live somethings. Get creative, but let's get fun. Let's have let's get let's get funky fresh with it. I don't know if we've ever had an episode where we actually got funky fresh, so I'd like to suggest that it happens this episode. So hashtag auto deal live. You know my, what you can. What? My question is, funky fresh is uh, really is Subjective. that is that like in is that in vogue right now or something? I mean, is that a everything from the '80s came back? I saw friggin' stonewashed jeans the other day. Stonewashed jeans, ladies and gentlemen, not the thing you want to bring back from the '80s. Bring back a bunch of stuff. I saw a guy Not on Stonewatch. American Idol wearing parachute pants. Seriously. Like, oh, like I guess Zubas they're, they're, or whatever, those well, things? Well, they're like these motorcycle-looking pants. You guys have seen those, you millennials, right? They're like these type, but they look just like parachute pants. They had little zippers in the front and everything. And uh, straight-up parachute pants are coming back. And uh, let me tell you something, brother. You will not catch me in a pair of those suckers because there's a, there's a period of time where your body doesn't look good. In parachute pants, period. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? It's just, there's a, there's, there there's a very a th- short window, small window of opportunity for parachute pants. Yep. And they usually don't exist. It's like sometimes between fall and like fall and spring of your, when you're 17 or something. It's yeah. not for everybody. It's not. But, it's um, not. But we've got this. We've got the group today, man. We got a freaking dynamic topic, Tommy. And like Tommy said, get on Twitter. Let's have a discussion. We'd like to hear from you today, the audience, using the hashtag Auto Dealer Live. Hashtag autotainment, 
um, either one. Get on Twitter and let's have a chat. Let's have a discussion. I think that today is going to really get some discussion stirred up. You know, um, we're going to be talking to uh, multiple uh, uh, individuals today. We have a great, great panel um, of six. And we're going to be talking about, um, you know, there's not really official titles. Episode 208. First of all, let me say, man, episode 208. It's been four years, four years. We didn't pull any punches there. I think we actually might be down a couple of episodes, so we just wow. we just guessed. We missed our 200th show anniversary. We, we, we missed it. Freaking A. 200, 208th episode of Auto Dealer Live. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, back to the, 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 the first one when, when my wife thank you for listening. I was listening that day, too, because I've worked for you for seven years. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And, um, and, and so today is episode 208. I want to thank my wife <laughs> for listening and you. So you know, hey, we've we pretty much uh, we pretty much have maintained a steady pace. We multiplied us like twice, so we're at like eight viewers now. Like eight, praise the Lord. Yes, and you know what's cool about that? Um, you know, episode two hundred eight is a special one, and I'll tell you why. Dave, do you want to tell us why two hundred eight is special? I was trying. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, no, no, I mean, I really didn't. Have a, well, I was saying this is we we have a you want to get on Twitter and talk today because it's episode two hundred eight. There's not really a title. You know, I mean, I've seen like 18 titles for the show. I mean, literally, the sacred cow. Can you kill a sacred cow? Here, here's the gist of the discussion today, and I think it's going to pretty much be a, a, um, a, a kind of a free for all for the opportunity on uh, for you to get in on this discussion. We want to read your questions, Mike. If some great questions come in on social media, let oh, us I'm know. I'm watching. Well, here's why: we're going to have some individuals on, and we're going to be talking about um, every angle of this top salesperson and the the example they lead and the example they don't lead. And it's going to be a great conversation. I think we're going to stir some feathers or ruffle some feathers, maybe stir some pots. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to be really good. Okay, well, good. We're already getting some feedback. Uh, I got Z um, at Zimic on Twitter. He said, I'll get Funky Fresh, but I ain't going Stonewash Jeans. <laughs> Come on, um, Z. Cassandra. With a name like Z? Is that Z Cavarici? Z Cavarici. Oh, remember Z Cavarici? You tight roll the bottoms there? <laughs> you tight roll them up, I man. couldn't do that because I couldn't reach my ankles that good. <laughs> Here's uh, I found, uh, CJ Romig. He's uh, he's grabbing uh, some snacks. Uh, Cassandra Nobles at Cassizzi28 says, Cassizzi. Now she, we're going like that's that's like when it was Cassizzi. What, she says, Cassizzi, I, she says in quotes, you look <laughs> what, like a giant. Where is that from? Cassizzi. Uh, she looks might. like a millennial. Cassizzi. I'm a, we have to say we're mandated by some of our sponsors to say millennial at every at least six times an episode. But she says uh, she has quotes. You look like a giant leprechaun. And then she says it's pretty darn accurate. You do. She agreed. If an if a leprechaun married a giant and had a kid. <laughs> there you go. Leprechaun marries a giant green giant. They have a small child. He's born in the suburbs of Chicago, and, and uh, he comes up and he, uh, he looks like Tommy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, so today, sad. today, just uh, in in three minutes, um, we've got a great panel. Dave Sobowski, uh tweeted must watch episode two hundred eight. Well, Dave, I'm glad you said that because he's going to be on the freaking show today. Of course, he would say that. Mike, right? the, Mike the car guy said it's always funky fresh. He said, "Wouldn't you agree?" Tagged a bunch of our, our, our you know, our uh, past guests. It is pretty, pretty much always funky fresh. I guess. How about this, man? How about this? We're gonna give, we're gonna give an autograph book and a T-shirt for Auto Dealer Live and some swag to the person in the next 15, 20 minutes through the tweeting of Auto Dealer Live hashtag that comes up with the coolest quote. 80-ish, 90-ish, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do. Something that's just, you know, bring it, bringing it back a little bit. You yeah. know, funky fresh, you know, uh, get Dope. jiggy with it. You know, those kind of things, all right? Throw yeah. it out there. Hashtag Auto Dealer Live. And uh, we're going to have some fun today. 
Um, we have some great guests on. Uh, we got Keith Wilkerson, Joe Webb, Marsh Bice, Dave Sabowski, Used Car Ricky, and Jonathan Dawson. They're all going to be on Auto Dealer Live this hour discussing the health, <laughs> the sacred cow. That was me. Oh, I thought we had a sound a little soundbite. Didn't that it? was pretty good. Pretty good. Can yeah. Do it again. Uh, yeah. Good. That donut. That's a that horse. was a horse. How <laughs> we ruined it. You always take it to the next level. Okay. You're like Daryl. You always take it to the next level and ruin it. You know, since since Cribs left, I gotta be honest with you, man. I, you know, our shows has kind of gone to the birds a little bit. And from the, you know, like we're just throwing. I don't mean like negative. I mean like we're just kind of like we're different in the beginning now. I don't know what. I, honestly, all, I was. Uh, truth be told, guys, I worked for Dave, um, so I was actually working during most shows. And most of the time, since I have four children and a wife. Um, I didn't watch the shows after. I'd be. Uh, I watched some. We watched some, but so I don't know what it looked like before. What I my 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 goal is basically to 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 secure my job here so that I can continue making sales outside of this show and I don't get fired. Whatever that looks like. Whatever I got to do here. Dave suggested I do a show without my shirt. It probably won't happen till uh, summer <laughs> after I hit the gym some, but it uh, it could happen. I do a shirtless show. Who knows? Let's Nobody wants to see Patty. Are we ready to go to a commercial now? So we can get yeah, to this yeah, listen, all right. I got more to say before we go to this commercial. Okay. No, Won't you carry us into the commercial with the next up, huh? Well, after the commercial. Well, the next up after the commercial is going to be the uh, episode 208 panel. That's going to be the next up. Boom. Boom. Get jiggy with it. Go with the pros who know. Your dealership wouldn't trust its vehicles in the hands of an uncertified technician. So why trust its finances with accounting firms that don't know your business? Rosenfield & Company knows the automotive industry and has been serving dealerships like yours for over 20 years. We take pride in helping our clients grow from single point stores to some of the largest dealer groups in the country. We are more than just your accountants. Our team can guide you through mergers and acquisitions, operational reviews, succession planning, and more. Visit us on the web for more information at www.rosenfieldandco.com. Jason Rice from LotPop, and let me tell you what we do to help dealerships increase used car sales 20 to 30 percent in gross and volume. Three areas we focus on, trend reports, we look at weekly trends that no one else is trending to make adjustments on our inventory. Two is we do weekly review calls to review those trends, but also we dig through every car that needs to be price adjusted to increase the searches. And three, we do a virtual lot walk, make sure every car is standing tall in line and make sure we don't have bad photos like these. Check out our website, lotpop.com our blog at AutomotiveRevolution.com and our weekly video tips at IncreasedTurn.com. Thanks. Hello, I'm Alan Ram, president and founder of Alan Ram's Proactive Training Solutions. Let's face it, good managers are defined not by what they do when they have a showroom full of customers, but more by what they do when there are no customers in the showroom. In 2015, whether you like it or not, the car business is all about conversion of opportunities and driving traffic. All those great closers and desk people are not doing you a whole lot of good if your dealership is not converting effectively on the telephone and internet. As an owner or dealer, when you see five salespeople standing by the front door doing nothing, don't kid yourself, your dealership is not being effectively managed. Management by Fire is a two and a half day intensive course conducted entirely by me that teaches managers how to effectively manage in today's automotive industry. 
simple processes for driving high-quality traffic. For more information on upcoming events, please call my team at 866-996-4665. Once again, 866-996-4665. Thank you. Service Group has over 40 years of experience empowering dealerships to grow profits, develop personnel, and provide their customers with a high level of service. We offer high-quality products, world-class servicing, and innovative training and technology. Meet our team, first-class trainers, the best account managers, and an executive team that's second to none. This is your Service Group team. We look forward to giving your people the power to Max Profit Selling, an easy-to-follow, buyer-friendly sales process that will give you the tools, skills, and confidence to consistently sell premium vehicles to delighted buyers. To learn more about selling the way your customers prefer to buy, please visit NoPressureSelling.com or call 1-800-515-0034. back and we got to give it i don't know man subi uh subi ghost tweeted out talk to the hand how about that one huh that's yeah that's, that's a classic I don't, I don't think i ever said that in real life though no i did uh. <laughs> but you know what she said that that may be the millennial talk to the hand millennial word drop mike the car guy funky fresh um, all right, we're going to send both of them. That's the two I saw, Mike. So if you just let me know, we're going to send both. I'll keep my eyes open. Them, we'll watch till uh, the end of the show. Some swag. We'll keep our eyes open. Hey, let's jump into this panel, Tommy. The next up. Let's do it. The next I'm up ready. on Auto Dealer Live. We've got an incredible crew. Um, looking forward to getting uh, into some serious discussion here. Um, so are our listeners. And uh, we have Keith Wilkerson, General Sales Manager. Um, and uh, we have Joe Webb, President and Founder of Dealer Knows, Marsh Bice, General Sales Manager, Dave Sobowski, General Sales Manager, Used Car Ricky, Digital Director of Advantage BMW, and Jonathan Dawson, uh, CEO and President of Cellcology, an automotive sales trainer. Gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining us today. And we're going to jump right into this discussion. And Marsh, I kind of want to start with you. Um, you know, we all had, uh, ha- have these. Matter of fact, you know, Tommy and I were talking, and I have his permission without throwing them under the bus because it's not. So I'm going to actually possibly, um, possibly, Joe, I know this is shocking, possibly disagree slightly with you a little bit today, but I normally agree with you on this topic. But however, Tommy is somewhat of a sacred cow (laughs) in a sense, you know, like, I mean, I would shoot him, but I mean, he's, you know, he's somewhat of a sacred cow. And so um, we're going to get into this in March. We've all worked with or had worked for us quote unquote the sacred cows, the, the guys that are the gals that are untouchable because of their numbers. And 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 kind of throwing this out there, we're going off of this uh, great, great article that Joe uh, wrote on Dealer Refresh. 
about this. And um, looking into this, Joe kind of points out Marsh. It's in, in multiple things, but one is it's a leadership problem um, f- from the standpoint of you have this person, this guy, this gal, and you use a specific case study here that is selling a lot of cars. Let's just use the number 25. Okay, this is a 25-car person, right, or a 30-car person, whatever. They're a hammer, and people are looking up to them. They come to work, and they go, I want to be like that girl. I want to be like that guy, right? I want to make that money. And they're looking at this person, and they're not working as hard possibly. Um, they got a book of business. You know, uh, They, in this sense, get... A mandated technology upgrade. Hey, we got all of our processes put into iPads. You know, all of our processes, this is how we do things. And then slowly, the sacred cow doesn't operate, Marsh, in those parameters because they're the sacred cow. And all of a sudden, it begins to trickle down. The ripple effect, so to speak, affects people who can't afford to not do this. So all of a sudden, they're looking at this person going, they don't do it. They're successful, so therefore, I'm not going to do it. That's a problem. I agree with Joe in that respect. Marsh, would you agree that that's a problem we have in today's auto business? Marsh Bice, you on? All right, we're going to flip that while we're getting Marsh back on. Let me ask you, Dave Sabowski, is that a problem in today's auto business? Yeah, it goes without saying. I mean, you know, we we could be holding this conversation five years from now, ten years from now. Uh, you know the the green peas as we call them. They start they they get involved in it. They're psyched. They're pumped. Then all of a sudden they start seeing the sacred cows. As I hold up the little uh, fingers here, uh, saying, "Hey, they're not doing it. I don't have to do it." But I I think what the real problem is, it's not necessarily uh, you know making guys go to iPads or having them use their CRM. I just think that some of this technology is just a little bit too confusing. And when you get a, a sacred cow or your guy that's selling your 15, 20, 25 cars a month, after a while he says, I, I don't need this aggravation, and he pushes it aside. Hmm. Joe, let me go to you and, and, and kind of uh, you know, get your take on this. And, and a great article, by the way, um, needed, needed to be written. And I think it's, it's something that's uh, cross board in sales. I mean, it, it's everywhere. And uh, specifically, obviously, we're talking auto. So, Joe, uh, Joe, if you go ahead and just touch base on that, maybe share your, uh, share your heart and, and the reason why this was written. Yeah, I mean, uh, most specifically, I would say, you know, as we go around training and consulting dealers, we try to put in best practices or policies that can benefit the greater organizational whole. And we have to stop thinking about ourselves in the term of parts, but the sum of our parts. Mm -hmm. And uh, our salespeople and our service people make up the sum of our parts. Uh, So one person, I mean, we're talking about, and i got to say, I've been heavily influenced by being able to see Nick Saban today speak, uh, Coach Saban, uh, at the CBT conference. And he literally spent probably half his presentation talking about uh, how no one person is more important than the team whatsoever. And he shared a very uh, perfect example of how he killed a sacred cow going in the national championship this year. Hmm. Um, nothing, nothing prompts him, you know, nothing will prevent him from doing that, no one person is greater than the team. Uh, so I, uh, I was, I'm trying to uh, give my usual rant without being influenced by exactly what he said. But the truth is, uh, I think a lot of the people who are extremely successful, who are the 25 and 30 car a month guys, as I was in retail, there's two sides of those people. Half of those people are the 25 and 30 car a month or more car salespeople 
who are able to achieve those numbers because they do all the little things. They do all the right things. They leverage the technology. They understand the consumers. They look into buying behavior. They try to match people with the right fits, and they don't just try to do things their way regardless. They're adapters, and the best of us are adapters. The other side of the, the people, the sacred cows, I say, because I'm not talking about the adapter sacred cows. I'm talking about people who want to do it their way, who can get 20 to 25 cars without even trying because of their acumen that actually probably work to sabotage the utilization of new tools, new policies, new tech, new, uh, new pay plans, whatever, solely because they're grumpy and change. And those are the people that we need to do that. And, and it's, not, it's not about killing them or firing them. I never want to fire a 35-year-old guy. I want to be able to employ management and teach management to be able to motivate and manage and hold accountable those people so it benefits them as well. Man, I mean, Jonathan, it takes balls, man. I mean, if you really think about it, and, 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 I, and we'll get into in a few minutes here, um, kind of another side to this, you know, where – um, where I really teeter on this thing. I mean, I, Joe, I'll be honest with you. This is the one area that I, you know, out of anything, um, I agree with you for the most part. But again, Tommy and I in prepping for the show, we were talking and he happens to be like, if there is one here, he happens to be a guy that would fall into that category. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute. But John, Jonathan, it takes balls, man, for someone like Nick Saban. Okay. And to, 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 to sacrifice a sacred cow going to the national championship, you know, you have all the, uh, you know, all the, um, you, you know, all the, uh, uh, the big money guys, you know, and, and, and the alumni and so forth, you know, hey, man, we want to win this championship. Talk about that and, and give your opinion and your take on this as we dive into this subject a little bit. Yeah, so I got a few uh, examples, specific stories that I think dealers can relate to, and I think can give them some insight in some best practices. So one is the story of what I call Satan Clause. <laughs> Satan Claus was the actual nickname of a salesperson at a dealership who had the overall appearance of, like, Santa. He was an older gentleman, beard, you know, uh, on the surface looked like a jovial guy, but his nickname internally was Satan Claus. The salespeople hated him. So selling 25, 30 cars a month, he did it at the utter destruction of everyone else's morale. All the other salespeople knew that he skated them. They knew that he didn't care about them. They knew that he was always emotionally trying to crack them. They all hated him. And the sales management team said, John, what do you do with a guy who sells you 25 cars a month like that? I said, look, man, the dude's nickname is Satan Claus. That says enough. I mean, look, at some point you've got to counsel the guy and see if you can reach him. But if you can't reach him, mm -hmm. you've got to launch him because – you know, when you've got a team of, you know, 15 other salespeople, all they have to do is add two more units on average, which, you know, morale itself can do, uh, to make up his 30 units. And the dealer finally, after months of uh, working at the store and trying to coach, the dealer finally made the hard decision and launched the guy. And we didn't miss a beat. So that's the first thing I would say is, you know, is their production at the level that it's at? If you look at the overall cost of maintaining them as a team player, are they replaceable in just morale and in how they affect the team? So that's one variable. The next thing I would say is, you know, a GSM, uh, a friend of mine, Matt Kanan, uh, up in Minnesota at Alexis store, shared this wisdom with me that it's uh, forever stuck with me. He said, John, the only thing worse than treating people unequal is treating people equal who are not equal. 
And so I believe in what I call rigid flexibility, which is another term I learned from a general manager, Jim Frampton. Jim shared with me this term, rigid flexibility. And I believe when we approach a process, we should have rigid flexibility because the only thing worse than treating everybody unequal uh, is treating people equal who are not clearly equal. So I do think production earns uh, exception. I think there should be exceptions to the rule until the exceptions become the rule. Mm -hmm. uh, if that's a problem, if everyone's trying to be the exception, you can earn exceptional status, and I think that's warranted as take, part of leading people. Tommy, take it that direction, because that's the direction now, I, you know, I know we were talking about. Take it the production direction, and let's talk about that and maybe take it towards Keith and Well, you know, I, well, what he was saying. If you have the name Satan anything in your in your title as you're selling stuff, you probably need to, you know, uh, somebody needs to probably pull you aside. Um, you know, with this, I mean, like, you know, I think I think sometimes some, a couple of notes I wrote, you know, um, was just, you know, does everyone have to fit? You know, and I think I just touched uh, what I was thinking. I think Jonathan just touched on. Do, do we have we have we um, have we adapted because the PC entitlement type of mentality in society that everything has to be equal. Why? Well, why should it be? What's the incentive for the guy who's selling 10 cars a month to be like the guy selling 30 cars a month if the guy who's selling 30 cars a month doesn't have a Saturday off every once in a while? Like, why not yeah. give that guy so that, hey, look what you can do if you work hard and actually, you know, put things together. So I think there's some, some there's definitely some reasons why. And if your sacred cow is, is crapping all over your lot, then you want to get rid of the sacred cow. But if, if he's there's actually, sacred, sacred cow manure, everywhere. if there's sacred cow manure yeah. in your showroom, you need to scoop it and get rid of the guy. But if he's if, if he's a benefit and he's a like if he uh, uses the toilet, you know what I mean? If you got a sacred cow, <laughs> that's another story. I had a picture of the the Chick fil A cow using a toilet. Excuse me, I'm in here. You know that's what I actually saw in my head. But um, but I think if you can have a guy who can lead the way, say, hey, listen, I've been where you're at. I've done it. You can be where I'm at, and actually see there's an advantage to doing it. I think there's there's um that sacred cow is a benefit to the company. All the way, use car, Ricky. If I, if I can really quickly, and, and uh, I know Rick will talk, but. Uh, I mean, I worked with a salesperson when I started selling. There's a salesperson named Mid Desai, and he he can sell 50 in his sleep every single month. He's a at least a 50 car month guy, and he can come when he wants. He leaves when he wants. He uh, really never takes up. It's all his own book of business. Uh, his hours are flexible. He can take off Saturdays, uh, and I looked up to him in the fact that. He wasn't a cancer to the team. He was at every Saturday morning meeting. He outworked a lot of people. He was hustling for uh, for deals. He was destined for deals. I looked up for him because of the authority that they gave him and, the, as, as Jonathan would say, the rigid flexibility. But he wasn't trying to undermine policies or technology. Mm, exactly. He was just using them and continuing to be his, his, you know, his high-selling self. But, uh, I mean, so I guess the question, a more controversial question, which I know auto dealer love lives, <laughs> a more controversial question would be, is there any such thing, is there such thing as somebody who is irreplaceable uh, on the sales floor? You say irreplaceable? Irreplaceable. Like, is there anybody who you cannot replace on the Let's sales floor? Let's go to Ricky. Ricky, I mean, weighing all this in, is there is there anyone on the team that's irreplaceable? And is does you know looking at you know something like a com really a c competition and and winning and the fact that you know there is a difference. I mean, um, does it come down to is this person and have have an, have an undermining kind of attitude? You know, so so are there exceptions, Ricky? I I don't. I here's the thing. You have to ask yourself a couple of questions. You know, and and we all experience this as as managers. You know. 
ask yourself, what happens when you promote a top producer? Okay. Are you asking that question? To- as, as well, I'm I'm asking that question for you to think about it for a second. But as anybody knows, the organization will grow as a whole, and it strengthens, it grows, and the the people that are that are not the top producer always fill in the gap, hmm. right? Yeah. And from experience, I've I've seen that happen over and over and over again. I've also seen the other side, which is what happens when you keep a top producer producing because of fear of, of loss. You're talking about two, two ideas here. The organization stagnates. It becomes a cesspool of you know, overweight has-beens talking about the good old days uh, when they could make money. And it's, it's demoralizing, and it's, it's, it goes against what you're trying to accomplish when you're trying to move forward. So the, the only other question you should ask yourself is, is this one guy bigger than the store? Is he bigger than the brand? And if if your answer, if your answer is resoundingly, if you can't answer that as 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 no, he's not, then you should probably just sell. If you own a dealership, you should probably um, get out while you can, uh, you know, while you can still finance a Volkswagen because uh, your your days are numbered. Days are numbered. And, and if you can't come to grips with that, then you're not bringing value to anyone. I mean, maybe in the short term, maybe, but in the long term, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, always, it always comes out in the yeah, wash. You know, Keith, I mean, and, and Dave, I asked the, 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 the company, I think Marsh is going to jump on if he's not. Marsh, if you do get on and you're on, just, just, uh, just start talking. He texted me and said he, had a, he was three deals deep. He was going to try to get on in a minute. And, um, um, you know, going to Keith really quick, and then Dave, I'll let you kind of comment on it. You know, I know you guys are, Dave, your little picture there is holding up one of Grant's sayings, and Grant, Grant, you know, would be busting through the phone right now trying to say, hey, you know what, you know, uh, if someone earns it, then they deserve it, you know, and, and, and I, it, so there's that mentality. And Jonathan, I'm a little, you know, a little surprised that you haven't kind of jumped down that vein any, any, any more than you have. But I mean, Keith, I mean, Without somebody that's, again, Joe mentioned an undermining. Now, that's different. Somebody's undermining, and they're completely, like, just breaking their – I mean, I don't care if, what you're doing. If you're, if you're not a team player at all, and you're just a complete butt, you know, you know, and your name – Satan's in your name, so to speak, then you can't work here, and certainly you shouldn't, you shouldn't be held uh, untouchable. But let's talk about the person who possibly has gotten there. Keith has sold, selling 30 cards a month that really has their own pattern – and, you know, they're not going to be undermining, but they possibly want to do things their own way. I mean, is there an exception there? I mean, are we making too much of this? Um, you know, and, and then I want to shift gears a little bit and kind of just go right into, and Dave, you can answer this part, go right into what about, you know, the, uh, what about, you know, the, 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 not the green pea, but the person who needs that discipline, the person that, that, that's, that's, you know, that's the guy that's, that's, that needs the processes, but you know, they, they're not, um, they're not doing it, you know? And, and, um, so I want to kind of talk about both of those situations. So Keith, Keith, give your opinion and weigh in on this whole topic. Is there exceptions here? You know, because this is a real issue and we're all talking about this, but very well, the dealers that are on this panel could have a couple on their lot right now. Grazing. Well, there are ab- there are absolute there are absolutely exceptions to this. I mean, as you brought up, if you've got a thirty car a month salesperson, 
you know, at a, at a small store, you know, whether it be my store, you know, a, you know, small rural Chrysler Dodge Jeep store, you know, we've, we've got a, a salesperson who's been with the dealership for 25 years and, you know, well over half of his businesses repeat referral business um, and, and doesn't rely on the walk-in customer, you know, and he, he struggles with technology, but it's, it's that type of salesperson um, that takes a good manager uh, and, and, and the right culture behind that manager and, of course, the ownership that cradles that salesperson and, and salespeople like him and saleswomen like, like, like him that uh, are going to help those people with the technologies that you're going to bring in or, the, or not bring in so that people like that can thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got someone who, who uh, relies on those repeat customers and referrals, you're going to give the, that person the, the tools that they need to, to cultivate that customer and not overwhelm them with too much technology so that they can keep, you know, doing what they do in their wheelhouse, in their comfort zone, and the technology stays with the manager. You know, if I have to load in a, a deal, you know, in the computer system or, or do an e-contract or whatever I have to do for my salesperson or whatever, I'll absolutely jump in there and do it to help that 30-car-a-month salesperson out who's a little bit challenged with the technology. Mm-hmm. That's just what you do as a manager. You help out your 30-car salesperson, your 25-car salesperson, you know, all as much as you can. And I know on larger stores, maybe that's a little bit more impossible. But if I've got a guy who is doing 30 cars a month and 20 to 25 of them are repeat and referral customers and he doesn't have to take an up to save his life and maybe his other five are pulling them out of service, I'm helping that person all day, every day, no questions asked. Hmm. Joe? I mean, if you look at, if you look at uh, like a philosophy, Subaru of Wichita is known as one of the best cultures of any dealership in America. And what they say is, you know, if you look at the typical hierarchical pyramid where the owner and owners at the top and it funnels down to general manager, general sales manager, sales manager, salespeople, he said how they actually operate their business is they flip that uh, pyramid up upside down. And every single person says, like the owner says, how can I make the general manager's life better? How can I make their job easier? I'm going to make everybody's job easier. Where the sales managers will go get dry cleaning for a salesperson if they need to. You know, so they they serve upward. So as he was just saying, uh, as he was just saying, a great manager doesn't just help out add deals for the 25 and 30 car a month person. It it would help the 10 car or 8 car a month person. You do that as well because a great manager serves and leads by example, and that's how you go ahead and do it. Um, but when you talk about somebody who maybe has sold so many cars, should they be allowed to do it their way, I, I think how I'd answer that is I would only allow them to do it their way if their way is able to uh, yield the same consumer experience that the entire dealership strives to, to provide. And if their way is adversarial or, or disadvantageous and could potentially hurt reputation-wise, even if it gives me the sales numbers, if it could hurt me reputation-wise with customers, then that person got to go. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a customer that, yeah, if I may interject, you know, uh, when you have a salesperson who, you know, the majority of, you know, his or her business is repeat and referral, you know, all that is going to be is excellent, you know, 
excellent customer service for that customer. Now, conversely, I have worked with the sacred cow to which you refer in, in your article, that person that takes nothing but lot ups, top salesperson, you know, just yeah. grinds out fresh ups, fresh ups, goes straight to the invoice when he gets them and writes them up, takes it to the desk, gets them to agree to, you know, minimal gross deals and cranks out 25, 30 cars a month and his name's always on the plaque. And, you know, and, and, and just talks bad about everybody, skates everybody, you know, and, and introduces a culture into that dealership that's nothing but poison. And at some point, you know, you do have to make that choice. And, you know, in my previous dealership, when, when, when they were confronted with that choice, you know, it was a very tough choice they had to make. And, and, uh, and, and they made that choice that they, they had to separate themselves from, from, from that sacred cow. And, and they never looked back, you know, their, their sales, they, they made up for that loss of, of their top salesperson and, and their sales are better than ever and their culture changed. And, and, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta give, my, you know, my previous employer props. They, uh, that was a very courageous thing they did. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they even thought about bringing the guy back, but they, uh, they stuck to it. And, uh, you know, it was a very good move for them. So a principal decision. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I think Ricky nailed it when he said like, when you get rid of those people, somehow, magically, the other people on the team are able to pick up the slack. Yeah. I heard a manager say one time, he, he, kind, of, he was kind of trying to explain his theory. He, he took a glass of water, and he stuck his finger in the water, and then he removed his finger, and he said, see how the water all came back even? Yeah. There's not a permanent hole there? He said, yeah. That's what happens when I get rid of that person. The hole doesn't stay there. The water settles again. And well, the, uh, in, I think in our business think, we call them anchors. You know, you know. The, uh, yeah. In 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 you know, in this, it's a, I just want to read a couple, and I'm gonna let you continue, Jonathan. Let me just read a couple things on Twitter, so the people are saying. So maybe it gives you some. Yeah. Z just said. Okay, Z, he's a dealer in Canada. It's incumbent upon management to ensure the sacred cow is empowered, motivated, and encouraged with minimal, minimal entitlements and ego. C.J. Romick, too many people want to help the five-car-a-month guy to get to eight, but you better help the 20-car guy get to 30. Um, Mike, the car guy, my uh, answer to sacred cows always, where's the beef? Are you helping or hurting the culture? Subi, one more here. I usually don't share my old stuff. Oh, this is, hold on. She said something a minute ago. Let me scroll up. Um, so, I mean, just those are some of the things that she said, manage the individual, not the team. Hashtag toxic yeah. environments yeah. hurt the overall goal. A 30-car guy or gal may cost you 50 deals. So, I mean, those are some things. Those are what some of the people are saying on social media right now. Uh, Jonathan, keep going. Yeah, well, what I would add to that is, you know, again, I, so here's a scenario. I went into a store, and their top salesmen, again, we're, we're talking about these 25, 30-car people, and they are precious, and they're very important, and they're valuable to us. And as I looked at the salesperson, he came to me and said, John, I need help. I'm not a 25-car guy. I'm a 12-car guy working twice as much as everyone else. I'm even here on Sundays, and that store was closed on Sundays. So sometimes we got to look at that. And what are you doing there? He's like, I'm sweeping really on Sunday just to yeah. – I love being yeah, around no, the I mean, environment. This, this, guy, this guy would work on Sundays, and he would, you know – it was crazy. But the point was, you know, sometimes we look at a 25-car guy and we think of them as 25-car – you know what? Really, if they're working 70 hours a week, they're not 25-car people. They're 12-car people with two full-time jobs. Oh, so we, we, we sometimes have to ask that, that different question there. And I really do believe in this rigid flexibility. I really do believe in what Matt Canyon taught me about 
about not treating people equal who are, who are in fact not equal. So I advise and counsel my clients that you put these parameters in place that are cultural parameters, and then for execution to Joe Webb's point, you know, and really, again, we talk about implementing a process or implementing a technology. One of my students sent me recently a message, and he said, John, I'm so frustrated with my store right now. There's a phone script we're supposed to use as part of our training. I don't like it, and I don't like using it. I use a different version, and, again, he said, I use some of what you teach instead, and I like that way better, feels better to me. He says, here's the screenshot of my ratios compared to others, but I've just been kicked off the phone list because I won't do the script the way they say it has to be done. So even though he's top two in the store for ratios of appointments and shows, he's been removed from the call center. He can't take incoming calls because he doesn't follow their process. So when that happens, again, I got to say rigid flexibility has to be the order of the day. We have to allow for the overall culture, mission, vision, and values to dictate our decisions on these things, not simply here's a process, we follow the process, because that, that, that alienates the people involved. And ultimately, we are in the people business, both on the consumer side and on our team side. Hmm. I would say, well, that's, a, that's obviously, um, I guess that's a management problem then, wouldn't it be? I, I think so, but again, not according to the management because, again, for them, it's easier to manage a process. You either fill in the checkboxes the way we say or you don't. That, for them, it keeps their job simpler. And I get it, but it's, I just think it's silly. Marsh, did you jump on? No? Okay. Um, we thought Marsh jumped on for a second. Let me, let me read this here in the bottom of Joe's uh, blog here. Let me ask uh, Keith, or I'm sorry, Dave Sabowski to weigh in on this. Um, he, he, going back to the iPad story, Joe, said, how did this happen? The 30-car-a-month sacred cow said he didn't need to use it or want to. Management didn't want to ruffle feathers by pushing him any further. And he said, yes, I know cows don't have feathers. But still, you know, 25-car month guy said, the other guy didn't have to do it. I shouldn't. And down the line, the only people that were doing it and using it were newbies. But here, here's my question. Of course, that's rebellion. Okay, Dave, there's no question. If the guy is just going to say, you know what, screw you, piss on it, I don't care what you say, and then everybody starts to do that, there's rebellion. The guy's got to go. And my dad used to say the best way to get a buffalo's attention shoot a buffalo and you know so at that point he's gone okay so that but that's 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 like but that didn't start there we all know that that situation didn't start with the ipads that started right. sometime back you know so, but let me ask this question and, and dave and you can weigh in on this and, and going going back to the situation sometimes i've done this as a leader where i've heard somebody say something i almost did it when dave anderson at digital dealer went over the execution man i come back and the first thing i got i got to do is slow way down and say okay let me think this through or i'm going to come back and just rearrange stuff right because it was an incredible inspiring message but looking at you know sometimes we want to imp implement something as a leader and then there's no flexibility, Jonathan. So I just jammed this thing down because I said so my way, and I don't really think it through. So therefore, it, it may very well be something that is, is, is irritating to somebody that's already, that already has their flow. So Dave, let me ask you that. Is, is it a leadership problem sometime as well that maybe I, as a leader, am not flexible enough to maybe sit down with my you know, my, my guys and gals that are selling a lot of cars and saying, hey, let me ask you a question. I want to implement this. What do you think we should do? How do you think that we should, what's, what's the most palatable way to introduce this? Dave, does that make sense to you as a leader? It, it makes sense, but I, I mean, it's one of those where do you really want to rough their proverbial feathers uh, as you go? I mean, let, let's face it that, you know, this is a tough business just to find good people. 
And when, you know, okay, you might have that 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 top producer that he might be poison on your floor. That yeah, eventually you get rid of him. But when we're talking about processes when it comes to tech, today's technology, and I'm going to get back to it. Today's technology, the people who who bring it into the dealerships don't even understand it themselves. I mean, I could, I find myself calling constantly trying to get answers, and all I hear is, well, someone from technical support will get back to you. We have to look into it. Yet these are trainers that are supposed to teach us. And and I, I think that's when, when your team sees that you're, uh, you're frustrated because you can't give them answers. I think a lot of that gets pushed to the side. But it does start at the top. And you know what, Keith, I, I got to hand it to Keith. He said something that I, I wrote down. You know, you got to take that guy that's selling twenty five thirty, take him and, and help him through it. Because I don't think that his feather should be ruffled by today's technology. That is it going to get him an extra car deal? I'm not sure. One thing I saw too on, on the article, I was I actually highlighted. <clears throat> kind of put myself in this position a little bit. Sacred cows are different from newbies in one particular way. It's the sacred cows like doing it their way, while newbies prefer doing it the easiest and fastest ways. Mobile technology, while it's in its own right, is still viewed as doing more, um, so forth and so on. But I think that was I thought that was kind of a misnomer because, I, I mean, I think, I don't know, I guess when you think sacred cows in this business, are we thinking of the, the gray-haired 65-year-old car salesman that's been doing it for 40, 40 years? Are we thinking about that guy? Or, you know, because I think sometimes – like with me in this business and, and I'm not, and we don't, you know, we work within the business in my industry. So we're, we're very close knit to, we're not directly in the car business. So maybe some nuances there, but the fact of the matter is, is that it says, I mean, me as a, as one of these guys that may fall into that category, shoot, if I have an easier or a faster way to do something, I'm all about learning about it because guess what? I want to make more money. I want to be more productive. I want to be more efficient in my time, you know? And, and that's, so, I mean, does anyone, um, is that, is that too generic of a statement to say that there's, there are, that there are so that all they want to do is do it their way, you know what I mean? Like, is it? If I can, the definition of a sacred cow is essentially somebody who uh, uh, somebody who feels they are often unreasonably above criticism yeah. on what right. they do. Mm. You know, so I mean, so if you're asked to perform duties and you want to do them your way, you feel that you are above the authority. That can tell you how to do that, and that's uh, what a sacred cow is. As I said, I don't think I don't think every single 30, 35, 40 car a month salesperson is a sacred cow by any stretch of the imagination. I think when you say when you state sacred cow, you uh, automatically pinpoint somebody who feels that they are above the law and the policies of the store, and that they do not apply to them. That's a good point, Judd. By the way, uh, Jeff Collins said, uh, "Sacred cow, someone who makes others around them uncomfortable." Unlike a gentleman, he said, "Well, let me, let me, okay, let me throw this out there because I mean, relating to Tommy here, he's been here seven years, and um, I had no gray hair when he started here. And let me tell you something, man. I mean, you know, hey, he's a great sales guy and he makes a lot of money. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a pretty good leader, okay. But I don't know how to motivate, you know, some people. And and so, throwing this out there, you know, he actually is a leader." And I'm, I'm kind of learned, you know, and he helps build this team of 10 sales guys that we have out there. But, you know, looking at um, someone like 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 Tommy, you know, he um, he doesn't do things, you know, he doesn't do everything that's asked to do of him the same way. And I'm going to tell you this. You can call me a sucky leader in this perspective or not, but I actually created kind of a sub position in a sense that came through seniority. 
And, um, you know, and, and so I didn't, I didn't justify it, but I created a position in a sense where there's a couple of people in that position and it's almost grandfathered in Jonathan, where, you know, it's, it's, it's a position that, Hey, you know, this, these individuals started when a lot of what we're doing today wasn't even available and it seemed to have worked out. And, and, uh, what do you think about something like that? I mean, if you have a couple of people that are doing very well, do they really belong, so to speak on the floor or in the same exact position as somebody who has to do it differently? I mean, is it because you're going to be faced with this decision, I think ultimately of, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta go or you gotta, or you gotta, you gotta get in. I mean, there's, there's, there's gotta be some flexibility there. So touch on that for a second. Yeah, well, so <laughs> we said maybe I, I'm a sucky leader. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no, I think, like I said, probably. I think it goes back to the rigid flexibility concept, doesn't it? The reality is if you have different people of different skill levels and different specialties of the process and what they do ultimately as an outcome, not just in production, but in culture fit and all these other things that we care about, if they're consistent with those things, then having the flexibility of creating a different position or a different exclusionary or exceptionary uh, aspect. So, for example, I have some students that, uh, you know, I work with the management and I say, look, you know, I think if you set a, if you have a 25 car rolling average over 90 days, that the following months you can maintain your own schedule as long as you maintain 25. I think that as long as that is in writing and available to everyone based on that standard, then it's okay to give the exception of somebody coming in late or somebody coming in, you know, uh, or leaving early. So instead of always being mad, this guy always shows up late, give him a carrot or give her a carrot. If they want to be late, if they want to sleep in, if they love sleeping in, reward them for sleeping in by giving them a carrot to hit on a 90 day average that they can earn the right to hug their pillow for two more hours. I mean, that to me is great leadership. It's adapting your ultimate process and, pur- and purposes to the people that you're you're working with to help achieve those processes and purposes. You have to have that that flexibility. So I'm all about that. I think if I've got a Tommy on my team, and he doesn't want to do X, but he's not insubordinate about it. Mm-hmm. He just has a way of getting a similar result without it. Um, I'm going to coach him. I'm going to try to teach him. I'm going to give him the reasons why I believe it's a great tool. But ultimately, he's not. You know, again, as long as he's not going around, I don't have to do it. Check me out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm okay with the guy having the exceptional status. I think that's okay to have. I think it's not just okay. I apologize. It is good to have those types of places and positions within your company. And Joe, I believe Joe probably Subi. Subi's probably in, is probably very insubordinate herself. You know, I, I would she imagine is. she'd be very difficult she to manage. Attitude, Joe, yeah, tell. probably had a little yeah, attitude. She, uh, she, <laughs> she'd be rebellious <laughs> as heck. You know, what I mean, she'd be a sacred sacred calf. Subi is the honey badger. She doesn't give a. I'm just telling you. I, you know, I, I I think that. I had a question for um, Keith and for David. So, and this is maybe should, for new salespeople coming on board. Should we maybe let the 30 car guy train them? Is that an option? No. I'll jump right in on that no. and answer that. No, not at all. You you definitely don't. I mean, first of all, they'll learn their bad habits, uh, <laughs> and, and we're <laughs> which we know that they have. But, you know, those are the guys, you know, and I'm going to get back to it, the guy that's selling that 20, 25, 30, he's not using today's technology. He's not doing things that that are are processes that are put in place for new people that start in the business. And I think that's where sometimes we miss it a little bit where, yeah, I I think a guy that's that's rocking at 20, 25, 30 cars a month, uh, he can improvise the sales call. 
where the new guy that's never taken a sales call needs to go through training and he needs to follow the process. Just when anything when it comes to anything else in the dealership, where and then when it comes to flexibility, and I got to check out here in a moment. But you know what? You got to have flexibility with your employees. The problem is that it's not written. And you'll always run into issues with why can't I do that then? And it's hard to say, to to tell somebody that if it's not in writing, well, you don't understand. He's been here for 10 years and sells 20 cars a month. You've been here for for six months and and you're averaging 7.5. Then I want to hear all you hear is that's not fair. Guys, I got a bailout. I appreciate it. Um, Great being on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you some other time, okay? Jonathan, no problem. Thanks, thanks, Dave. Keith, I'll let you answer that question. Jonathan, Jeff Glacken asked, I don't want to forget this as it rolls down the stream. He asked specifically, he said, Dawson, is it adapting or feeding the beast? Hold that question for a second. Keith, do you want to comment on the question Tommy asked uh, you and Dave about is it appropriate to let a 30-car salesperson train a newbie or is that leadership's job? Uh, that's, that, you know, in, in my dealerships, I train everybody personally. Uh, if I've hired you, I've trained you personally. Uh, that's all I've ever done. Uh, in management is I've always been the, the trainer. Um, it's something that, uh, that, that I've always prided myself on being able to do. Um, every, every dealership I've worked with, uh, the, you know, the top salespeople came under my training. Um, so I, I you know, if anything, the 25, 30 car person, uh, might show them how to deliver a car and that's about it, uh, or show them what the paperwork does. Um, and that's, and that's really about it. I've always done the training. I believe that the, the, the training, the classroom training, all that should definitely come from management. I believe any kind of, you know, shadowing or anything like that should never come from your top guys, um, uh, because of, you know, the, the shortcutting and the bad habits that they may do. Uh, maybe your, your intermediate guy, your 15, 18 car person, um, would, uh, would be, uh, the better example. Of, of who the person they're going to shadow, if they're going to, you know, spend a weekend, you know, watching uh, how it's done on the floor, that kind of thing. But as far as classroom training, uh, phone training, uh, word track training, uh, leasing training, anything like that, that's 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 my job number one, and and I handle that personally with pride. Mm. Amen. And now, now let me ask you: If there was a guy who was really killing it on the floor, but they are not doing it off the referrals, but taking up. And they weren't doing it your way whatsoever. So just to throw another, they said, "No, I've got my way of handling phones, and I've got my way of handling customers, and I know I sit through your trainings, uh, but I'm going to do it my way." And as you can see, I'm still getting 20 cars a month. Would you have trepidations about keeping them in the store for fear of other people breaking from protocol, breaking from the levels of standards of which you put in? Uh, would you would you keep them around? Well, it would depend on two things. Number one, uh, are they contributing or or subtracting from the culture of the dealership? And and if if they're not following the training that I've set forth, which I think, uh, you know, my training is not any different from... I think what most of us would consider, you know, you know, good training, you know, the the, the road to the sale and Uh-oh. and uh, you know, <laughs> learning the word tracks from you know the different things like that, you know, and you know, we can fish across that all we want, but it's what we've all learned when we sold cars. But uh, you know, just the basic things. Uh, I don't think that uh, it, it would come down to how 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 the culture, if he uh, added or subtracted to the culture, and if and if he's you know subtracting from the culture of the dealership and subtracting. Um, from the overall morale of the dealership, you know that that person would have to go, and I don't care if I train them or not. You know that 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 guy or gal would have to go. So yeah, 
We'll let you guys get the uh, closing words here. Keith, we're, we're in with you since you just uh, got a chance to answer it. And uh, by the way, I'll let Joe cool off a second because you said road to the sale. We're going to go to Jonathan first, though, because you said the road to the sale is dead, Joe. So he just said the road to the sale in his answer. But, Jonathan, answer that question and give your That's closing. another show, boys. <laughs> Jeff Calm Lacken. yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> it, we, we've done it. Been there, done it. But I just, that vein in the side of Joe's forehead was kind of pulsating there. Um Jonathan, yeah. answer that question and give your closing remarks on is it is it feeding the beast? Yeah. Okay. I, look, I I guess it depends on how you're using the word beast, right? I mean, you can say that guy is beast, and that's a compliment. You can go that guy's a freaking beast, and that's not a compliment. So, you know, I want to feed beast, not beast. You know. So, I mean, it really kind of depends, right? So, I'm all about feeding the beast. If I have a top performer, see, here's the thing. I think we forget sometimes when we become management instead of leadership. Management is about managing processes and activities and tasks. Leadership is about developing people and getting their gifts, that you know, God-given gifts, getting them to come out and, and become fruit-bearing trees. So when, as a leader, I have to realize that, you know, things are going to motivate people in different ways. Somebody might be motivated by sleeping in and the idea of sleeping in because they have a newborn or something. But the idea of sleeping in just because they hate waking up at 8 o'clock in the morning might be really important to them. So giving them a consistent, you know, 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. start time, if they earn it and if it's in writing, uh, that might be all they need to get them from 15 cars to a consistent 18, 19, 20 car average. I'd be willing to work around that schedule if that's what they needed. And I'm willing to feed that beast if I get an extra four or five or six units. Again, somebody else might, you know, they, they might want their picture in the paper when they hit salesman of the month. Or maybe they like golf. Them. Maybe they're big golf guys and they like golf. Exactly. Whatever it is. But the reality <laughs> is, as a leader, I want to develop people. As a manager, I want to manage processes. But people have to trump processes in the grand scheme of things. I believe that that's true because ultimately it's the people that make the process work to begin with. So in that sense, I'm, I'm okay feeding the beast. I really am. If the beast is a beast of burden, going back to if they're not a culture creator but they're a culture killer, then, yeah, no, that, I'm not going to reward behavior that's inconsistent with my culture. So in closing, I guess I would just say if you've got a sales team right now and it has some sacred cows, whether those sacred cows are just people that have always been with the company, they're no longer producing, but you just have a hard time firing them because they're just old, I get that, but you know what? That's not healthy either. Or if they're a producer, but they're producing without creating the, the kinds of results you need overall globally, culture, vision, mission, yeah, you got to take a real hard look at the value of a production number against the value it causes against the whole team. I just think as leaders, we have to just love our people enough to correct them, love them enough to fire them. You know, you, sometimes they're done your place maybe they need a new place and a new start mm -hmm. love your people enough to correct them love enough to train them love enough to fire them and release them onto their future release them onto whatever it is that they're going to be enjoying because they stopped loving their customers at your your company would so, it be cool would it be cool if a cow like a cow came walking into that door i've been thinking that the entire time like if a literally we would have thought this through in a cow you know, the door opened and a cow came walking well right jonathan in. had something like a pizza delivered at some point yeah. during the show i saw somebody knock on the door Oh, somebody dropping all the draw. It's a money delivery guy. Wow. Oh, look at there. Who do you, what is his number? Right? Pass his number on, man. <laughs> Here's what it was. A salesman went up against me in a role play challenge, 10 to 1 odds. 10 to 1 odds. He had, he, he put up 100 bucks against my thousand that he could hit the role play challenge, and he ended up missing. Uh, and so that's the payout. So he's wow. paying me out. Nice. Had he hit, had he hit, I had 1,000 bucks for him. 
Nice. So, hey, listen, it pays to train with Jonathan Dobson. Sometimes it's literally pays. <laughs> I would say, I don't know if I wanted to take you up on that bet, but that uh, that's awesome. Worked out for you. Hey, uh, Keith, we want to I want to go ahead and give your, your closing statement, sir. Yeah, uh, somebody mentioned a, a tweet that uh, Subi had that uh, manage individuals and not teams, and I would amend that only very slightly. Manage individuals as a part of the greater team. Um, they're still part of a, of a greater team of your dealership, but you do manage them as individuals and just let them know that, you know, each person is valuable from the top down, not equally, obviously, as, as has been discussed. And, and your top guy, you need to pull them aside and let them know that as the top guy or gal, you know, they have a, a, a special importance at your dealership to be a leader and to be a role model for everyone else who sells less cars than, than that person and, and, and put, put your arm around them and tell them, you know, as that person, you, you know, you need that person to, to, to demonstrate that type of leadership that you need out of them because you're hoping that person can one day step up and, and be a manager if that person so desires to be. And, and, and you know, hopefully they're going to continue to, uh, to uh, be a mentor, be a teacher, and, uh, you know, possibly be a manager so that, you know, the new people come along and they can learn for themselves the highway to the delivery. Well said, well said. And uh, thank you guys for being with us. Joe Webb, we're going to give you the uh, final thought. Thank you again for for always uh, writing provoking and thought-provoking, I guess I should say, content. And uh, I think it's just fitting. I will will, uh, keep trying to write things that have two sides of the coin so you can keep inviting me on. Thank you for having all of us. Um, I mean, uh, as I said before, and I think... Jonathan Keith hit it. I think Ricky hit it before. Uh, and even uh, David uh, David mentioned it. Uh, as I had said, if there is a situation where a cons- where a employee is not able to deliver uh, the consumer experience that you strive to provide for a client, uh, for your clients, for your consumers, whether they are a 30-car-a-month person or a 3-car-a-month person, you have to pull them aside and manage them better. And if they cannot get better, if you cannot train them to be better and to fall in line with your policies and your standards, then they've got to leave. Uh, and if I can, I will just uh, end with a couple things that Coach Saban said today in regard to the same process because he said going into the national championship, there's one person who is tremendously talented. Their behavior, however, was going to be detrimental to the team but he was just going to let it go because of how talented they were until he heard just one person on his team turn to the person and say, you're not going to ruin this for us. So one teammate was respectful of another to say, you're not going to ruin this for us. The coach never talked to him about his behavior up to that point. He heard another employee say that, and he immediately said, you're not traveling with us. You're not going to the national championship. And he made the decision that quick. So, you know, a couple things he said was he said, uh, to be successful as an organization, you need to have a team environment. And to have a team environment, you need to hire the most respectful people because it takes everyone respecting each other to be a great team. Uh, Another thing he said is the reason he only wants high achievers on the team is because he said mediocre people hate high achievers and high achievers hate mediocre people. And the last thing he said, uh, there's four things that are necessary to building a great organization or a team. And he said, and here's the four things. Number one, as ownership or management, you need to define the roles. 
Number two, you have to all follow the same process. Number three, everyone has to play by the exact same rules. And number four, everyone has to have the same spirit and or end goal. And he said those are the four things necessary to building a team. So I think if you, uh, I mean, just taking it from Coach Saban, who uh, really pinpointed a lot of the things I wanted to say in the article, uh, we should not be trying to give people uh, just a comfortable environment. Uh, it's great that you're comfortable and happy with the money you make and the cars you sell. We should be always pushing them to do even better for themselves. That's what a great manager is. Not for us, for themselves. And if we yeah. feel policies and technology can do that, then it is up to us as managers and owners to push them to be better than what they already are. Well said. Guys, thank you Amen. so much. We can keep talking about this, and, and I'd love to I'd love to uh, have a part two and, and get back together and, and talk some more because there's so much you can you, we can do. I mean, just the last thing uh, – and uh, thank, well, thanks, guys, for being with us. I know you guys are busy, and thank you. I know uh, Marsh never got with us. Used car Ricky had to jump off. Um, so thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank absolutely. Thanks, My pleasure as always. Thank thanks, you. guys. You know, Tommy, listen to him, because, I mean, just at the end of that conversation, this is why there's a con- to be continued, right. because we don't have time to go into it. But just at the end of that conversation, one of the things Joe said, and I saw Jonathan kind of kind of get a little bit of a grimace, you know, it, like – we obviously I play by the same rules but then there's this caveat that says hey you know what I make my own rule slightly within the rule meaning that there's a there for instance you know there's a rule of the game and then there's the the rule of law so to speak where most people can't do what some people can do for instance yeah. the game of football right you have 50 you got 50 yards wide 100 yards long you got 10 yards to a first down, six, six points for a touchdown, one for an extra point, three for a field goal, right? There's there's holding. There's all types of penalties. Everybody's got to play by those rules. But then there's the superstar quarterback and the superstar receiver like Odell Beckham that, you know, he's not supposed to jump in, in the air and catch the ball with his fingertips. Backwards, one-handed, yeah. Yeah. See, that's 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 defying a rule, so to speak. So there's, there's the rules of the game, and then there's rules – that not everybody can follow that someone specifically that's a superstar can follow. So that in itself, I think, merits a part two because it goes it goes beyond that. You know, I hear, I don't know about you, I hear a sacred cow comes down to not just a talented person, but rigid flexibility like Jonathan Dawson yeah, said, like but at the same time, non-undermining. They, 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 yeah, they're a team being, player. Yeah, I think the toxicity, like somebody put on Twitter, the toxicity, I think it was Subi actually, um, yeah, if you're toxic, she's getting a lot of uh, she, shout outs. She, she was tweeting a lot. She's she getting a lot of shout outs too. And I, and and, so and by had, the way, somebody said she was rebellious. Someone tweeted that and I verified it. it. They I said knew it. it. I remember from dinner yeah. the other day we had dinner with her. Well, at the end of the day, um, like I said, you know, I think CJ, I'll get a book out to you. Absolutely, my friend. Hey, you know, I actually, and going back to the um, uh, the <clears throat> throwback, the, the hashtag throwback we were doing. So I saw two that stuck out to me, and if they could go well, for it. Okay, so it was Tim. Tim Dill said, uh, because we were talking about shooting the sacred cow, he said, where's the beef? 80s throwback style, smart, good, clever. Um, And then Cassandra Nobles actually went crazy with it. She said, eat my shorts, uh, bomb diggity, what you you talking about, Willis? She had like four or five. What you talking about, Willis? That's like different strokes. She had it for shizzle in there. That's going back Gary Coleman, That's 80s. That's beautiful 80s. That's All that in a bag of chips. All that in a bag of chips. What's the 411? What's the 411? Come on. Those were yours, right. Mike. Patty, what's the four one one? Mike, is this uh, Green Acres? Quest? Is a place to be? I'm just kidding. 
Green throwing like an oh oh. I knew it. Son I of knew a, that was coming. There you go. You hey, before this gets really crazy, and, and, and they start for that shooting, gun. I was looking for that gun. <laughs> you jerk. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Don't miss next week. We already have an outstanding show planned, and uh, you don't want to miss it. Thanks a lot. See you next week. God bless you. Good night. Good night. <laughs>